Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mass Podcast. This is your host, Will. I am joined here by my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? We are here on July 2nd, two days officially after free agency has kicked off almost um, here in a few hours. But the Mavericks, obviously, um, have had one of the more quiet free agencies among many teams um, for a offseason that was you know, predicted by, I think, many Mass fans as well as us, Jaren, to you know, be off to a very chaotic start. Um, it, it definitely can be underwhelming, I think, to an extent. I, I will preface that I don't think the Mavericks are uh, done in any sort of capacity, but there have been many years, um, you know, both with this regime and older regimes, uh, where we thought that that same sentiment held to be true. And the Mavericks um, ended up still not doing anything, despite... Um, you know, preconceived statements, things of that nature. Uh, despite that, you know, being the most applicable direction, like last year, uh, where they thought that they could, you know, at least still go get a third ball handler. But with the sort of cap flexibility that they kind of have right now, as well as the two-year window that they've sort of thrown themselves into with this Kyrie Irving contract, um, they are completely poised to you know still continue to build this roster and mark stein on his stub stack reported today that dallas still uh, very much thinks that they need you know more wings more big men they haven't completely addressed that issue in any sort of fashion yet um but it'll be intriguing to see what the mavericks do because it almost seems like they're holding out for some of these restricted free agents uh to come out of the water uh and grant williams and um actually be able to sign an offer sheet so the um the uh, incumbent team, of course, uh, that being the Celtics, will have the ability to um, either match or decline, or I guess there will just be a little bit more clear perception as to what's going to happen. That's why some of these restricted free agents are holding off. But otherwise, the Mavericks did at least you know, start the free agency period off with a few moves. Uh, it was not just you know a completely blank horizon. First off, um, by signing Kyrie Irving to a three-year, $126 million contract with a player option in year three. Um, a lot of individuals, I think, um, were you know a little pressed in regards to um, the actual um, you know, monetary amount there. But in my opinion, uh, even though the Mavericks, you know, technically weren't betting against anybody else, they weren't trying to you know, sort of lull Kyrie Irving away from any other teams that had, um, you know, actual cap space to, to do this. Um, this is, you know, you know, while it is the NBA, it is still sort of a human business. You can't just completely hardball, um, you know, a prospective free agent, uh, especially one as important as Kyrie, who, you know, is a, a superstar in his own right. And the Mavericks couldn't afford to lose. They, they couldn't just play hardball till he got discontent and wanted to, you know, explore other avenues like, you know, signing an MLE somewhere for very cheap just for one year. And, you know, the Mavericks came out of this deal on top. They got Kyrie Irving, not even the max money uh, that he would for three, four years. Like they didn't even give him a max contract, essentially. Uh, it still kind of opens up their, you know, flexibility, having him around that at around that, you know, 42, $42 million a year figure. Um, so honestly, me personally, I was very pleased with that move, um, you know, and of course they re-signed Dwight Powell for three years, you know, $12 million. Um, they also, of course, signed Seth Curry um, for, I believe, two years on the uh, biannual exception. And then they signed um, yeah. free agent guard Dante Exum. And he was playing overseas beforehand, but Dennis Lindsay, uh, a cog in the Mavericks front office who used to work with the Jazz and, um, you know, was a, one of the guys who uh, took that bet on Dante at pick number five, I believe, back in like 2014 or whatever it was. And, you know, honestly, it, it kind of does, does seem like that is part of the reason as to why they, they coveted him and brought him in on a minimum deal. 
Um, but other than that, that is the uh, full slate of moves that the Mavericks have made thus far. And I, I will not reserve my judgment, but I, I will talk more about what we think about all of this, of course, before getting into what we think the Mavericks can still do. Uh, you know, having only really been a day and a half into free agency, uh, them seeing like they're going to be, it kind of seems like they're going to be later players uh, in this free agency. At least we hope so. But uh, we'll, we'll just have to uh, keep praying and see what happens. Jaron, how are you feeling after the first few days of mass free agency? You weren't able to make it for the uh, preview. Um, ha- have you been surviving throughout these uh, uh, screenings? Or, yeah, or I mean, the pessimistic side. I, I think uh, I think a wellness check is probably good for in the books for both of us. But, um, you know, as far as the first day and a half, two days ago, I, you know, I'm not feeling all too optimistic. I'm holding out some hope for uh, hopefully a bigger trade coming. Um, I don't know if that'll be today or in the next few days. I know that kind of waiting on a few dominoes to fall, I would say. But uh, I mean, look, I think, you know, the moves haven't been needle needle moving, I guess, per se, other than the Kyrie resigning trade or uh, sure. Kyrie just resigning in um, I, I just don't, I, I mean, for such a big off season, I think that there's moves that, you know, are questionable. Uh, but again, you know, there, there's some high upside moves and some takes. So, you know, Seth Curry being on such a low dollar amount, I mean, he's a guy that's going to come and of course, score the ball very well. We saw what he did with his last tenure in Dallas. So I, I'm not opposed by that one. Uh, definitely the more questionable one has to be the Dante Exum signing. But again, I mean, on the minimum dollar contract, you can't really be too, uh, I guess, skeptical or even questioning of that sort of dollar amount. So I'm not, you know, too mad. I'm not too pleased. Uh, I would say I'm much more even aligned, uh, but I'm definitely holding out some hope for hopefully a bigger trade or a bigger sign and trade uh, for some of those bigger name guys. Yeah. The Mavericks still um, do have some sort of nooks and crannies that they can fall back on uh, to uh, really hone in on some of their flexibility here. You know, after, you know, even if they had only signed Dwight Powell for the minimum, it would have obstructed into that MLE figure just a tad bit. And obviously they signed him for just a little above the minimum, not really too egregious egregious of a contract, especially if he's going to be a backup center. Now, if he's starting, then uh, I have my whole other list of reservations that I I will bring to the table. Um, But but as currently stands, um, they, they can still kind of, you know, especially given some trades that they may be able to pull um you know in the ensuing next few days they still uh can get under the first apron to be able to uh operate with the full mle um you know and and not be uh subsequently hard capped if they were to just use it outright like right now so um it'll be interesting to monitor um it's a weird situation in terms of how they um can operate with that flexibility i don't even fully understand it but we will talk and nauseam about it today and who they could maybe look at with the, the MLE uh, and both in trades, of course. But before we do that, here's an ad from our sponsor, Spotify for Podcasters. All right, Jaren, so getting into it with the Kyrie Irving move, the first thing that the Mavericks did to open up free agency, um, what were your full-fledged thoughts on it? Obviously, there were reports before free agency that Kyrie Irving may entertain other suitors. Uh, he was... Uh, supposedly supposed to take a meeting with the Phoenix Suns. I don't know if that ever happened or if he was just sort of trying to create a market for himself that simply just was not there due to other teams' uh, inability to create cap space um, in in a year where, honestly, not a whole lot of teams uh, even had near a max slot open. Um, Do you think that Kyrie came back to Dallas, uh, you know, strictly because of, uh, you know, a lack of suitors? Um, and, and kind of did so begrudgingly, or do you think that the Mavericks, um, you know, what, once they gave that, that three for 126 offer, um, you know, he, he was contingent upon coming to Dallas at that figure um, and, and that he was satisfied at that point. No, I think, you know, I think Kyrie's plan all along was to come back to Dallas. I think, you know, what his sort of ploy was, he was just trying to create a market for himself, trying to show Dallas that, Hey, look, you know, I'm not a guaranteed player on this team come next year. You know, you have to give me the right money. You have to respect me um, as a person. And, and I think he did a very good job of that, you know, as I, and again, I'm not in the front office or anything like that. And I don't have any connections or anything. Um, but I would say those last 24 to 48 hours, I was getting a little bit nervous um, as I was hearing those, you know, more and more sort of meetings with these top end teams um, that could potentially go and, you know, trade for him. Um, so yeah, I was getting a little nervous there, but I, I think the whole deal all along, the whole plan all along was for him to just, you know, kind of 
make Dallas a little nervous, uh, maybe increase that dollar amount just that just a little bit. Um, and, and, you know, sort of milk out the situation. And, and I think he did a good job. I mean, three for 126 is satisfying. I think in both parties, um, I, I don't think the Mavericks are too mad at that number. And I don't think Kyrie's too, uh, I guess he, he feels like he got too uh, milked or whatever out of that number. So I, I think it's probably a good number for both teams. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it kind of sits around that four for 160, maybe a little bit less, um, but it kind of sits around that four for 160 tweet that Skin Wade put out. Um, I guess it would have been 48 hours before Kyrie had signed, I believe. Um, but yeah, you know, it sits around that number. So I guess, you know, may, maybe not total correct, uh, I guess, reporting. But yeah, I mean, it's around that number. But I, I think, you know, I, it was a plan all along to come to Dallas. I just think he was trying to create a market for himself, as you said earlier, um, and just trying to create Dallas, or I guess, give Dallas a sense of urging, urging. Um, and, and, you know, maybe they, I guess, just have to lock him in, you know, give him a few more extra dollar amounts. And I think that they did probably a good job of that. No, I would definitely agree with you. Um, I thought that they did their due diligence in the process by not lowballing him or anything like I talked about in the intro. And they got him on a pretty favorable deal around, you know, I don't know if the contract's going to be ascending. I, I figure uh, just from some things that I've seen tossed around on Twitter that it will be. Um, but an average of 42 million a year, especially, you know, with the salary cap going up with the new TV deal, um, you know, this the new CBA, um, the sort of ebb and flow of currency in the NBA, just uh, appreciating in value uh, sort of year after year the next few years. I, I don't think it's too horrendously bad, especially given, he, you know, uh, he'll be what I believe 33 at the end of that contract if he declines that player yeah. option in the third year and he only takes the first two years. So it, it does give you a flexibility, but it also has, you know, the ability to, you know, tie him down long term if he's. Does still want to be in Dallas and he's still playing well. I mean, you know, you can you can always um, you know talk about an extension. Uh, I believe I don't, I don't think there's any sort of stipulations upon his contract where he couldn't get extended. But I would obviously need to know a little bit more about it. And in regards to that player option, I mean, who knows how forty two million a year will look in a few years? Um, but needless to say, um, it, obviously, if if Kyrie you know, doesn't perform maybe to the standard. Um, that he sets for himself, you know, not, not this coming year, but the year after, or something just goes haywire, he gets injured or something like that. He'll likely opt into that player option, um, which, you know, would, would probably be, you know, dead weight on your books for a year, but it would be a huge expiring contract. So it, it would still have value at some point, even like the, the trade deadline, if it had, uh, had really got to that. So, I mean, it, it's not, you, you tie him down for, you know, at least over a year, it wasn't just a one plus one. Uh, so I was happy about that with potential to be a third year if things are going swimmingly for the Mavericks and Kyrie. I definitely had a huge sort of sense of relief uh, once, you know, that that news flashed across the uh, the Twitter sphere, uh, which is kind of being hindered by Elon Musk right now. It makes yeah. it very hectic free agency. But um, no, I mean, I, it was great to see Kyrie Irving uh, officially re-sign in Dallas um, for the Mavericks to not play with their food too much. It was a very swift easy process i honestly kind of thought he would not want to be one of the you know first free agents off the board i thought he'd kind of hold his water for a little at least kind of see if any other teams would try to make a play for him via sign and trade um at least try to to move um you know some guys around to clear up some space to potentially throw an offer at Kyrie. but um just as sort of you know log jammed as a lot of teams are cap wise um it, it didn't seem you know given um, some of the antics that, you know, Kyrie has had in the, um, you know, over the last couple years, as, as well as the just very intricate personality that he is, I guess, you know, either that or a combination of his, you know, sort of unreliability to, you know, play a consistent eight, 82 games or, you know, be a consistent guy um, really up until last year, um, you know, comparable to the last couple of years before this. I don't know if that was the hesitancy for no team wanting to open that up, but I mean, a lot of teams really just earnestly did not have the space. And I think it really comes down to that at the end of the day, but great for Kyrie to be back in Dallas. I'm extremely happy, extremely excited. Uh, obviously this, you know, hits the nail on the head even more in terms of the Mavericks, you know, really cashing in on this championship window, given that we're only guaranteed two years of Kyrie at this point. Um, so we will be, I think even uh, more, uh, dramatic there will be more of a sense of urgency in the way that we talk about how the Mavericks have to roster build than there even was initially where we still 
you know, reserved a little bit of hesitancy in case Kyrie were to, you know, be on the way out and the Mavericks could sort of do uh, a pseudo rebuild or retool or something like that. But that is strictly not the case anymore, Jaron. They have to cash in. Um, you know, they've let, you know, two days of free agency essentially slip off the board here, having made pretty, you know, minimal around the margin moves. Um, you know, albeit, you know, while Seth Curry is uh, a pretty solid move and on a pretty good deal, uh, it's not one of the hugest positions of needs for the Mavericks right now. What exactly are the Mavericks doing? Why do you think that, you know, they went out day one and two of free agency and and made these sort of minimal, uh, you know, marginalized moves by just retaining Powell at essentially $4 million a year, a little over the uh, 10-year veteran minimum, um, you know, contract figure per year, which I believe is valued somewhere around like $3 million. So he, he's making a hedge over that um, when you, you calculate the, uh, appreciation of uh, what the 10-year veteran, minim- veteran minimum will be uh, for the next few years. Um, and then, uh, of course, you know, bringing in Dante Exum on a one-year minimum. And uh, also, you know, you know, with the Seth Curry move, um, I, you know, just mentioned it, but between all three of those moves, what do you think is the reasoning for these uh, like sort of marginalized moves that, you know, aren't necessarily needle moving, don't you know, address the biggest position of need? Um, are, are they pointing towards some sort of sign for you in terms of what the Mavericks might do next? Or does this kind of signal to you that the Mavericks um, are, are kind of lost in terms of free agency and they, they went a little off track here on their pursuits? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, to me, two out of the three moves aren't aren't necessarily needle moving moves. Uh, I mean, you can argue that all of these moves that they've made uh, three out of the four, I guess, not counting Kyrie, that they've just not been needle-moving moves. Um, and, you know, look, I, I look at two of those three sort of deals that they did make, um, that being Powell and Dante Exum, of course. And I, I think that those are more marginal needs, um, you know, something to bolster up, I guess, the roster, bolster up depth. Uh, I, I don't think that they're looking at, uh, I guess, Dante Exum kind of just, I don't think they're really looking at him to be a, a huge figure in this rotation, a huge, you know, sort of, uh, rotational player you know if he is he does have high upside uh, on a low dollar amount so you know I think that the the hitting mark um, you know the home run sort of thing is definitely a low ball uh, high flyer sort of guy and uh, you know I'm not opposed to that especially at that minimum dollar amount so that's why I'm not you know too too mad definitely a little questionable of it a little skeptical um, and then you know to follow up with Dwight Powell I think that again you know a veteran presence in the locker room a guy who of course has been in Dallas um is now going to be potentially the longest tenured maverick in a very long time outside of Dirk Nowitzki um so I I mean you know you're bringing in a good culture guy you know we know what he's doing uh on offense and on defense for that matter so I don't think the fit is necessarily going to be questioned um you know there's definitely been some uh funny remarks and some fun little tweets made uh, about it and uh, you know I can't say that I haven't liked them or I haven't sort of felt the same uh I guess disdain as them but uh, I mean, look, I think that those moves at the very least are just sort of uh, roster depth moves, something that, you know, you can't be too mad about with the dollar figure. Um, now, the Seth Curry move, I view as more of a future sort of uh, put in place deal. To me, I think that, you know, it almost guarantees that Tim Hardaway Jr. and pro- probably another Maverick are going to be on their way out um, via a package trade or another sign and trade kind of do- deal. Uh, I guess we'll just have to see how that pans out through the next few days. But uh, to me, that Seth Curry deal sort of, uh, I guess, it improves the timeline or uh, I guess makes the timeline faster uh, for Tim Hardaway Jr.'s departure out of Dallas. Uh, I, I think, you know, very similar in the sense of scoring uh, and not just that, but I know we'll probably get into Seth Curry, the player, uh, maybe in a later podcast or even in today's podcast. Uh, but Seth Curry, I mean, a knockdown shooter, a guy who I, I think outside of once has shot over 40 percent. Uh, every season in his career, if I believe him, or I think I'm correct on that. But um, yeah, I mean, a knockdown shooter, a guy who's going to definitely bolster up your offense. And that's why I'm not too opposed to that, especially uh, again, for the dollar amount, you know, you can't be too uh, argumentative of that sort of, you know, move that they did make. Um, So I think that, you know, I'm looking at all three of these moves. I- I'm looking at them as sort of uh, roster bolster- bolstering, bolstering up, uh, depth moves, you know, moves that aren't necessarily going to needle move or change the sort of projection of this team, uh, which again, you know, in an in an off season that needs to be 
uh, very sort of directional, very sort of uh, uptrend. I, I just haven't seen that. Uh, I haven't seen, you know, the uptrend that this team has kind of been needing for the past two seasons now. I, I just haven't seen it in this one. And this one I thought would be the most important offseason. Um, I don't know if the Mavericks sort of plan to be a little lesser roster uh, and work their way up throughout the season. I'm not really quite sure of that. Um, again, you know, we'll see over the next few days. I'm holding out hope, as I said in the intro, but, uh, I mean, look, you know, like I said, these three moves to me, um, are kind of just, you know, looking for, uh, roster improvement around the margins and, you know, we'll see what they can do, but, uh, it definitely opens up more of a trade market, I think for this team. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, uh, especially given the Seth Curry points, um, it, it just creates too much of a log jam at that guard position. Um, now you're essentially housing. Um, what is it like five or six guards? I mean, of course, Luca, Jaden Hardy. Yeah. Um, if you want to consider Josh Green one, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, who am I forgetting? I mean, of course, like Mike Miles and Jordan Walker, however much credence you want to take to their standing in the roster. Um, obviously, you know, with with Tim there, it, it just is a is a weird sword dynamic. As badly as the Mavericks need wing defense. Um, you'd think that at this point, having brought in yet another off the bench guard, something uh, that they they did not, you know, diagnose as one of their centripetal issues heading into this offseason. You just have to think that they have to that they'll be, you know, consolidating Tim Hardaway Jr. at the very least, you know, among all other players that they have at the moment, you know, to another team. Uh, but we'll have to see uh, what other, uh, you know, news comes out of the mill from that standpoint. Um, but I definitely think that's the biggest chip that the Mavericks have to sort of play now, as well as, uh, you know, sort of just hyper-dependent uh, upon what they do here in the next 48 hours. Uh, can they create that space to retain the full MLE, go after a Grant Williams, go after even maybe a PJ Washington, uh, somebody in that maybe three for 51 range, something like that. Uh, that'll be very interesting to monitor if they, you know, go more of the you know trade route and, and just opt to maybe do one or two trades here, or if they do really make a concerted effort to, you know, do a trade or two, um, not just uh, from, you know, an asset and player perspective, but also from a flexibility perspective uh, to be able to get under that first apron and not be hard capped to where they use the full MLE uh, right now. I believe they're about like 4 million away. Um, so they would just have to, um, stand, you know, send, you know, four more million of outstanding salary um, than they're receiving, which you know can pr pretty easily be done and still, you know, stand within the confines of that uh, twenty-five percent rule uh, of a, a team essentially when they're making a trade, having to be twenty-five percent, um, you know, within the outgoing salary and, and incoming salary and vice versa. So if they can, you know, stay attuned to that. And, um, you know, they also have that tiny little trade exception. Uh, I seems pretty um, hard to use uh, given it's only in that 3 million range and they can't combine it with anything in aggregate, but you never know. That's also a play in the table. So obviously they still do have quite a bit of flexibility. Mark Stein even went on to report as much that the Mavericks would not sacrifice their full MLE uh, to sign Dwight Powell. So, you know, as much as I'm ready to sort of fire off the gunshots, um, the the sort of realism in me, the the analyst in me, is is making me hold my reservations. Hence, why I didn't come onto the podcast, you know, blazing with excitement today because nothing really insane has happened here over the last 48 hours. But, you know, Jaron, to be honest with you, um, if the order of operations is this way, and the Mavericks still have more moves to make i almost kind of like it more it, it elongates uh the it elongates. anticipation and uh it, it definitely probably feels more lucrative more rewarding at the end but i can see why of course fans you know our, our hesitancy at the potential order of operations here given the track record of the mavericks organization uh over the last few years not just with this regime but with the donnie nelson regime as of right now do you have any message to any fans out there um that are that are sort of you know at the back burner thinking the Mavericks are, are completely done, which I mean, they very well could be. I'm not, I'm not putting it past them given this organization's track record, but it does seem just like this championship window that they have here with Luca and Kyrie um, would just serve as too much of a causation or a, or a reason rather uh, for them 
to to not completely cash in on it when they pushed in all their chips, pushed in all their assets, lost Jalen Brunson, um, you know, in totality. What do you think exactly? Um, you know, we're rather what would you say to some of these fans um that are, you know, ready to, you know, have the pitchforks and all the knives and everything lined up outside the AAC uh for for whenever Nico Harrison steps out of his office. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw a lot of tweets, uh, especially after that Dante Exum and, you know, more so after that Dwight Powell signing uh, that were trying to gather people to uh, raise hell on the AAC on Victory Lawn, Victory Avenue. But no, look, I mean, in all seriousness, guys, I think, you know, uh, probably something to hold on to, even though this regime, uh, this front office has proven otherwise uh, in past years, you know, I'm still going to hold out a little hope. You know, I guess from an analytical perspective, it makes sense. Uh, you know, they, they, I guess the dollar amount they're working with is very integral uh, to make still. So I'm still going to hold out some hope. Um, you know, I, I think it, it's hard people down uh, because, again, I mean, this regime has proven otherwise in past years. And it almost seems like this year is going to be a little less of the uh, same, I guess, that we've seen. But um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I would say just hold out as much hope as you can. Uh, I mean, if we're having the same conversation we are right now, a week from a week from now, you know, I think it might be time to get a little nervous, time to get a little uh, skeptical of what this team could possibly do, be doing. Uh, but right now, I would hold out some hope. Uh, I mean, we're only a day and a half, almost two days uh, in full and free agency. So I, I think if anything, this team is looking at the trade market. I mean, there's been multiple reports of that now. So uh, I'm holding out the trade market hope. Uh, you know, maybe they'll find some big center. That's kind of what Mark Stein reported uh, in his sub stack. And I believe whenever he went on air, I don't believe what what uh, channel it was. I'm not sure. Uh, but I believe he did go on air or on a YouTube channel or whatever uh, and kind of reported that. So I'm holding out a little bit of hope uh, via trade market that this team can get some work done, uh, especially, you know, in the needle moving department for this roster. So uh, I would say, you know, let's hope. But again, like I said, if we're having this conversation a week from now, uh, you know, this could be a totally different sort of uh, sentiment uh, that we could be having with us and uh, the front office over there in the lovely uh, Victory Avenue and the AAC. So we got to love them. But uh, I mean, look, uh, yeah, I don't I don't really know where I'm going from here, but we're, we're just trying to hold out hope. That's what we're trying to do. So no. Yeah. I mean, the Mavericks obviously have to cash in on this flexibility or um, I mean, I mean, there's no more excuses. There's no more. Oh, next year that the timeline has been sped up. They have to cash in now. Like now the, the time is now. I have probably said that a few different times on this podcast, <laughs> but the, the time is definitively now, just like the 2011 NBA championship slogan. So they, they have to push the chips in and see what they can do here. We're, we're going to see if Nico is the God tier GM that we all hoped and loved for at the draft. If uh, that can be reciprocated here. Um, you know, I, like I said, I'm still, I'm I'm going into this with cautious optimism, you know, to the point where I am acknowledging the, uh, you know, wrongdoings, the malpractices of the older dream, as well as, you know, maybe some of the uh, sort of, um, you know, non-assertiveness or non-aggressiveness of the new regime, even though they haven't really been terrible as far as the draft has gone recently, uh, as far as we are concerned up until this point. Um, but, you know, definitely there's still a lot of skepticism given the you know last handful of years um the plan powder just dissipating into thin air um all, all that sort of good stuff so you know obviously jaron we we talked about this from the mavericks perspective and what they can do um i'm gonna classify these moves under two sort of microscopes here uh for us to look at because i, I don't think it's fair to look at um you know just holistically since we don't know what's going to happen so what we're going to talk about the uh you know all the re-signings and stuff grade them and we're going to do so under you know the uh sort of sort of protocol here um and the uh we're gonna split these up into two um essentially um gonna categorize them and we're going to have um one analysis for each player that the Mavericks have either signed or re-signed you know of course so Seth Curry, Kyrie Irving, Dwight Powell, and Dante Exum um and, and we're gonna give a grade on the signing um if the Mavericks are completely finished with free agency and then we're going to give a grade on the signing. If, you know, the idealistic scenario comes, comes through and they, they still end up making more moves. They just had a, you know, different sort of skewed order of operations. And, you know, they end up maybe cashing in, cashing in on the MLE, making a trade or they, you know, make 
two trades even and you know don't use the MLE and bypass it. Basically, best case scenario in terms of how they could, you know, round out the roster. You don't have to like say specific names or anything like that. Um, but we'll, we're just going to go ahead and grade the move so far and then give a quick debrief as to, to why that is. So with the Ky- with the Kyrie Irving trade, Jaron, or not the Kyrie Irving trade, but rather the Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving uh, re-signing in Dallas, what do you give that move if the Mavericks do not do any other, um, you know, plays as far as uh, free agency or uh, sign-in trades or trades go? Are we doing a 1 out of 10 or like A+, plus, B+, plus? Uh, yeah, yeah, like, like a letter grade. Letter grade. Okay. So I, you know, if they don't do anything else uh, in this off season, I would still give it probably like a B plus. I mean, this should have been a given uh, Kyrie coming back. That is. Uh, but again, I think, you know, we got him for a good dollar amount, got him for a flexible contract, uh, something that I think both parties will benefit from. Um, and look, I mean, the fit on court, you know, it's going to have to improve marginally, but uh, I think that the the fit on court, we've already seen it with Luca. Um, and look, I mean, like I said that, you know, there's, there's sort of things that do have to get better marginally, uh, around the corners and things, but I, I think that the fit on court isn't really questioned. Um, and look, I, I like that contract a lot. So I would give it a B plus uh, personally. And, you know, I don't think there's really much more you need to go on in depth there. Uh, I think that third year player option offers a lot of flexibility for both Kyrie Irving and both the Mavericks, uh, you know, given if it is a bad contract or even a good contract for that matter. So I, I'm excited to see, uh, you know, what I guess he can do in these next two years in a Mavericks jersey or two years guaranteed in a Mavericks jersey. Um, but outside of that, I, I would give it probably a B plus. So would you give it a B plus? So we're, we're doing a rating for both if the Mavericks. Are we doing? We're doing two ratings for each move. So both if the Mavericks okay. were to, you know, fill out the rest of the roster, essentially. Um, we'll, okay. We'll okay. Like, okay. You know, n- not the not the absolute, you know, complete haul uh, that maybe, you know, we've we've been everybody, you know, is has up in their dream trade machine scenario or whatever like the Mavericks aren't going to be fielding a roster of all-stars but they make some like really competent moves to put them in a position to uh at least be a contender or a pseudo contender is the uh, second scenario and then the first scenario is just judging the Mavericks essentially off of what they've done uh with the prerequisite that we don't think they'll make any more moves so what do you was the b plus uh the grade that you want to denote for the Mavericks you know still having moves on the table or is that going to be the grade that you give them for um, if they don't make any more moves? I'll go with a, a B uh, as far as the moves that they've made so far and the flexibility that they still do have. So I'll go with the B for now. Uh, let's say, as you said, you know, let's say this free agency is over. I would probably go more in the direction of a, you know, C range, probably just a C overall, not C minus, not C plus, just something that's average uh, things that were expected um and and, i mean look like there hasn't they haven't spent much money so i'm not you know too opposed to the moves that they have made uh but i i just think that they haven't made any sort of needle moving moves uh, and that's why i'd probably follow up with a c yeah no i I think i would probably be like a c or a c minus because for them to not you know while while it is good value to get Kyrie on that deal in my opinion just in terms of that probably is about the contract that you know he would make or uh, re-sign for with any other incumbent team. Um, you know, I have to, you know, I, I simply can't get past the fact that if that's the, if they're done with free agency, if they're done with the off season, um, they, they just have not put themselves in a place to even, you know, be considered a contender, uh, much less a bona fide playoff team. I, I don't even think that that's necessarily something that's surefire given how the roster is currently constructed. So, and how the West is shaped out. So what'd you say? Uh, and how the West is shaped out. Yeah, teams exactly. have gotten better. No, teams yeah. have gotten way better. I mean, we say that every year and injuries do happen, but I mean, this is about the most parody, the most stacked it's been ever as it ever has, as it sort of increases here uh year and year in terms of the parody of the NBA. That's why I, I think a lot of people are starting to call for expansion teams, but we'll see if they ever act upon that in the next couple of years. But if the if the Mavericks do end up making um, you know those really good moves to round out the the wings and uh big men spot then i would probably grade this Kyrie move like you know like an a minus or a, or a i think it's a really good deal at that point um and, and you still retained a lot of flexibility and didn't you know sacrifice it too much by giving him that that max contract where things get a little bit more tricky and um you sacrifice more of the uh, potential mle money um and you probably have to make some more room 
uh, to get under that first apron. So I I, uh, I do like it from that perspective. On to the Seth Curry move. Jaron, I'll go ahead and start us out. If the Mavericks don't do anything else, this is like uh, a D, D minus move, in my opinion, because uh, I do get the argument for getting talent in the building and, you know, sort of disregarding fit as sort of talent deprived as the Mavericks have been over the last couple of years. But, you know, for just a regular rotation, but, uh, you know, level player that you're not breaking the bank for, um, he, he just doesn't fit whatsoever with the current rendition of the roster, given the logjam at guard. Uh, I'm sure he'd definitely still get playing time and stuff, but it, it would be a weird sort of minute splittage between him, Tim, and Hardy. And it, it obviously, if this is the only thing they do and they prioritize this over other wings and, um, you know, big men, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're looking at anywhere from like a D to D minus for me. Um, but if they are able to round out the rest of the roster, say Tim leaves, I think that this is a good uh, sort of replacement, a good Tim assurance or insurance, if you uh, rather, if you will. And at that point, it's honestly uh, at the dollar amount that Seth's at. You know, he is 32, not not really too old. He's definitely still got a couple years left in the tank. Um, only on that biannual exception, potentially, uh, I'd probably, you know, give it like a, a B plus or an A minus. I'd probably have uh, rather have Tim Hardaway Jr. if we're just tossing them up between who I like more as a player, um, contract aside, but for Seth and his contract, I think I'd much rather have uh, him than Tim and Tim's contract. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, the grade I would put uh, if this season or if this offseason were to end now uh, after that Seth Curry deal, I'm going to go with an F. Uh, I think that, you know, the biggest need of this team has been defense. And, you know, of course, Seth Curry uh, has had a very sort of stable decline uh, on the defensive end of the ball over the last few seasons. And I, I just don't think that that's a move that bolsters up your defense by any means uh you know it definitely makes the offense more creative but it also creates more of a log jam so uh from that perspective i'm going to go with an f because again like you said it just doesn't make any sense um if tim hardaway is going to stay on this roster if jim uh if jane hardy's going to you know sort of uh elevate in that sort of sophomore year uh, or i guess have to take that sophomore jump you know it just doesn't make any sense to me um but look if you know if moves are to be made and as you said if tim hardaway jr is going to be gone uh, and maybe it frees up that guard spot a little bit more. I I'm going to have to go with probably a B plus or A minus uh, again, something similar to your range, uh, because again, you know there there is st still moves to be made, uh, and at that dollar amount, you know Seth Curry is someone who can bring really good value um, at that four point five or whatever dollar amount it is. Um, so I'm not too opposed to it as long as they're making other moves. You know we we have seen two other moves since then, uh, but just kind of sort of uh, I guess under the roster, uh, very sort of low man uh, moves to be made. So, you know, they, I think they're going to have to make some big moves to be made um, for this offseason to prove a lot. But, yeah, I'd probably go with a, a B-plus or A-minus if they can get off Tim Hardaway and hopefully get a positive contract or a positive uh, force in the in the locker room uh, in return. No, yeah, I would definitely tend to uh, agree with you in terms of your analysis of that. It's uh, definitely not too dissimilar at all to my sentiments on everything. What do you think – uh, would be your letter grade for the, the Dante Exum move? And do you think it even changes at all uh, if the Mavericks do or don't do anything? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, this is a hard one to pinpoint because it's on a minimum contract, of course. Uh, I think if anything, he's probably going to take over that Frank Nilakina role uh, where he's not playing every game uh, and the games that he does play, maybe he has a bigger role than others. Um, I would probably go with just a simple C+. Plus. Uh, in terms of the move itself, just because, uh, you know, it does have high upside for such a low dollar amount. And, you know, he did improve a lot overseas. Uh, but again, you know, getting back into the NBA, he's going to have to prove a lot uh, to have a outside of a uh, two year contract again. So, I mean, we're going to have to see a lot of things change in his game. Uh, but the move itself, I'm not too, too sort of worried about. I'm more so worried about, um, I guess, the negligence of the other free agents uh, if they chose that, if they chose Dante Exum over those other guys. Um, that to me does bother me if that was the case. I'm not sure if that's, if that is the case, but, um, look, if that is the case, that's what bothers me the most. Um, and again, you know, to give out a grade, uh, if the roster were to be done now, and I guess that's probably the final move, uh, if it were to be done now, I mean, this only makes it more worse. So I would probably have to go with a D plus or a D, uh, because again, you know, you passed up on guys, uh, McDaniels, um, you know, there's still a bunch of guys on the board, PJ Washington. I know he's going to be a little bit of a higher dollar amount, but. Uh, some of these more defensive-minded wings you passed up on for Dante Exum, who hasn't proved a whole lot in the NBA. 
Um, so I, I think, you know, if anything, uh, this could be one of those moves that you look at and it just kind of sums up the Mavericks of the last five years. Uh, but look, you know, we're, we're holding upside here at the ma- mainstream Mavs. Uh, and, you know, we're just going to go in with uh, what Will says as uh, how do you say it? You're like skeptical, off, off, uh, skeptical, cautious, uh, hoper, skeptical. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. No, so sure. I, I think that's probably the best way to title it. But uh, yeah, I'm not, you know, too opposed to the move itself. But if they are done uh, with this roster, I'm uh, we're going to have to go to the AAC and we're going to have to uh, raise hell that, that to say the least. So. No, most definitely. I mean, it's funny how they, uh, you know, essentially kind of went for the same sort of archetype in a player uh, as Frank, this sort of uh, tentative, uh, you know, ball handler, I guess, a, a guy that developmentally projected uh, to be a bigger point guard, as well as a guy who could defend one through three at a very high rate. Uh, not all too dissimilar to what we're seeing SGA right now. That that was, you know, Dante Exum's archetype. He was a 6'6", uh, point guard coming out of Australia, uh, but the guard skills never really uh, were able to come too much of a premium to him. And the, uh, the lack of an outside shot definitely kind of disrupted things. I'm going to be honest, even since the signing yesterday, Jaron, I haven't even had a chance to go watch Dante Exum highlights or really profile anything from Me neither. Uh, his, his overseas um, sort of tenure here. But we'll definitely, you know, dig more into it and uh, see exactly where he stands and, you know, preview him a little bit more as a player. But look, the archetype of a player is good. I, you know, him sticking around the NBA will be kind of contingent upon how much that playmaking and ball handling is actually valuable. And if he can, you know, stay a consistent shooter, at least be able to spot up on the wing like Frank did, um, but hopefully at a higher clip. Um, You know, given that Dennis Lindsay, who was in that jazz front office and selected him and was very high on him, um, you know, when he was the fifth overall pick in 2014. uh, And then, you know, of course, Exum kind of subsequently fizzled out of the NBA. I mean, I'm happy for him that he is, you know, got to a place where he's going to be able to make a return because I honestly didn't think he would. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to also say that I was holding a bunch of stock in Dante Exum and close for, closely monitoring his overseas career, seeing, you know, if he was going to get back in the NBA. But he was definitely a guy I just kind of didn't think, really think much of, uh, you know, after he sort of fizzled out of the league. So it, it'll be interesting to see if this is uh, maybe something that Dennis Lindsay uh, is sort of, um, you know, a move that he sort of spearheaded. And if, if it could end up kind of, going haywire uh you know because of his sort of implicit bias uh having you know had exum before having liked him before um that's something that we'll definitely monitor but you know i do like the archetype of player especially if he sort of revitalized his career if this is going to be like one of your last guys on the bench you're essentially you know just kind of punting on the two-year frank experiment letting him go elsewhere and you know this is the direct sort of swap for that then i mean on a minimum contract uh, i can't say i'm too much of a hater uh, i'd say the move in itself is probably i don't know like a like Jaron said, probably like a C, C plus, you know, just waiting for details, very average move. Um, and if it's the last move they make in free agency, um, you know, given that they still do have flexibility at play there, uh, I would probably have to say it's like an F um, just to, to be quite frank with you, uh, no pun intended. So, um, <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see exactly what happens. I, I doubt that that obviously that is the last move they make, but you know, I, I'm not going to, let the years of travesties that the front office has provided to our, our mental health blind me to the fact that it could be. Um, so those are the sort of tentative letter grades I would have upon those, those first few guys. Lastly, with Dwight Powell, Jaron, our Lord and savior, you know, signing for a little bit above the, um, you know, 10 year veteran minimum, um, minimum, I guess, <laughs> which is uh, sitting around, you know, a slightly under that $3 million figure or whatever it is. Uh, he's signing at about four per year uh, for three years. Dwight Powell gets, you know, four for 12. Uh, not bad value in terms of the, you know, skill set he provides as a player. We obviously kind of talked ad nauseum about, uh, you know, Powell, you know, sort of uh, for a few different segments in the last few podcasts in terms of, you know, how, how we do really like him uh, as a guy and even as a player for this Mavericks uh, in terms of, you know, him be, being able to, you know, provide that invaluable uh, locker room, you know, experience being a great cog in the community, uh, being a great help here in Dallas, you know, being a very charitable guy, donating a lot. Um, also, you know, being one of the more selfless guys on the team. If a guy's ahead of him in a rotation, you know, 
being uh, admirable of that individual and uh, or admiring rather. He, you know, he's always very admiring of who's playing ahead of him, even if it's Willie Cauley Stein cheering him on. Um, you know, this is a guy that, you know, in, in no, no small part, I think for the casual Mavericks fan that doesn't keep up with Twitter has probably become a fan favorite, but obviously because of the Mavericks inability and the sort of front offices inability to, you know, add a tried and true sort of rim protector to this roster for the last few years, since the, the Luka Doncic era has started. I mean, they've obviously tried, uh, you know, starting with DeAndre Jordan, then to Chris Porzingis and so on and so forth. But uh, time in and time out, they failed again um, with Dwight Powell, you know, coming back to, to Dallas, Jaron, um, the second re-signing that they made other than Kyrie Irving. What do you expect his role to be? Um, and, you know, I, I think that this one is a little less indicative, really, of what the Mavericks continue to do because it is on such a low dollar amount for a guy like Powell. I'm more so uh, going to diagnose this grade um, by if Powell is starting or if he is coming off the bench. Uh, so that's how we're going to do this grade. Um so, Jaron, if Dwight Powell were to start for the Mavericks next year, essentially they don't really do anything as far as, you know, addressing the center spot, you know, provide, you know, besides providing a, a great short, short rolling center, a guy who's aggressive on the boards and Rashawn Holmes and, um, of course, Derek Lively in the draft, who probably isn't, you know, tailor-made or, or NBA ready to start right off the bat. What would you give this grade of the Mavericks, you know, aren't to do anything else for the rest of the offseason if this is, um, the last sort of re-signing they make here with Powell, what would you give the grade? Yeah, from a roster building perspective, I, I'm not opposed to the move. I mean, it's a veteran piece, as I mentioned before, a guy who, uh, you know, knows Dallas, has been here for a very long time. Uh, and look, I think the Mavericks are kind of looking at him to be this veteran presence alongside a young Derek Lively. So I'm not opposed to that. Um, you know, I, what I am opposed to is if he's going to be eventually a starting center or eventually a very integral part within the system. I, I'm just not opposed. I'm not too keen on that. Uh, I don't know if Dallas is viewing him as that. Uh, but look, you know, for a good utility guy, a good guy to come off the end of the bench, especially at that dollar figure. Um, you know, I'm not going to be too opposed to that. From a letter a letter grade perspective on the move itself, uh, because it was such a low dollar amount and because uh, presumably what his role should be. Uh, should be off the bench, sort of being a veteran leadership kind of guy uh, in that locker room. I would give it honestly probably like a B plus or a B, just something average, uh, keeping the sort of, uh, I guess, um, you know, culture uh, slash communication and, you know, trust within this players. I mean, he's a guy that can definitely do that. He'll probably be on the leadership council, leadership council, uh, if that's still even a thing. So, I, you know, I'm not opposed to the move itself. Um, and, and look, I'll give a, an additional grade. If he is going to be the starting center, this is an absolute F uh, because again, you know, of all the points I just proved, you know, he does not need to be a starting center. And we've been having this argument for hell, probably eight years now. Um, so not, not quite eight years, but we've had this argument for a very long time, um, too long. And again, you know, he's going to be put within a system uh, where at least right now with how the roster is currently built, he could potentially be a starting line, uh, starting center. So uh, look, you know, that's a, a different argument for a different podcast, but um, with the move itself, I guess pretty much I did already give my letter grade, but if, if the roster is done at this point and, you know, Dwight Powell is the last sort of uh, re-signing we make, uh, I would give it probably an F uh, because again, you know, that doesn't improve your defense at all. Uh, if anything, it improves maybe the culture a tiny bit. Um, uh, you know, it improves leadership uh, and mm. I guess that's pretty much about it. But it, from it an on perspective, I'm not it, too yeah. keen on it. It doesn't cash in on the championship window. Dwight Powell cannot be the starting center exactly. for this Mavericks team to win a championship uh, unless that they have, um, you know, such a heavy conglomerate of lengthy 3D non-one-dimensional wings that they're able to just completely cover up uh, the lack of rim protection and, you know, the lack of offensive versatility. I, I just don't think that you know, he's their guy, you know, and we, we've covered that and outlined that in many podcasts. And um, I actually, actually uh, had to write an article recently. I won't tell you guys exactly what it's for recently or what it's for yet. Um, but I had to write an article recently um, and I wrote the whole thing over and it was essentially the first thing that popped into my mind, uh, just a, a sort of random prompt um, regarding the Mavericks. And I wrote it over why Dwight Powell um, cannot be the starting center for this team after reports surfaced uh, a few days ago that Tim McMahon, um, you know, before free agency started, you know, started said that Dwight could be the starting center. And uh, that that's as much uh, sort of 
clamoring as I'm going to do on the subject. I thought that you hit the nail on the head very well uh, in terms of our, our collective thoughts on if the White Pals should be the starting center in Dallas, as well as, you know, just looking at the move under a microscope, you know, by itself, it is good. Uh, you're getting that veteran leadership back, you know, especially uh, a guy that, you know, has that high of character to come in and mentor uh, Derek Lively, um, you know, hopefully not be the stopgap starting center till Derek Lively is ready, uh, but be the uh, stopgap sort of veteran to, to mentor him along the way, if that's even a thing or, if he, I don't know if he'll just magically not be ready for a veteran uh, in three or four years, and the the stopgap part of that is fulfilled. But you know, you you get what I'm hinted at. Uh, I'm hinting at obviously the term stopgap has been used um, ad nauseum on Mavs Twitter. Uh, you know, leading up to free agency, in in terms of trying to describe the the perfect bridge in terms of getting another starting center that we can get until Derek Lively's ready. So, um, you know that that's that's probably what I would uh, you know reciprocate as well uh completely with what you said jaron you know we're not going to go too in-depth into how everybody fits today you know specifically Kyrie and dwight powell um uh, we honestly probably really won't even talk about it all because you know we we have 85 million podcasts over that uh specific specifically our player and reviews uh podcast that you can go listen to um but you know we'll, we'll obviously talk about how they fit um, you know, with the other pieces that the Mavericks make and how they fit exactly in the rotation and their role and stuff like that, we'll definitely get into on later offseason podcasts. But, you know, we, we probably reserve talking about Seth um, in terms of his role because he has been here before as well. You know, a, a bona fide three-level scorer um, who gives good effort on defense at, at that 6-2 frame is real handy. Uh, he honestly has a very similar uh, sort of defensive style to Kyrie. Uh, I don't think he's as instinctual as Kyrie. Um, but but he does have a good eye for the ball, despite the lack of length. Now, look, you know, there's obviously a reason that the Mavericks made that Seth uh, Curry for Josh Richardson trade. You know, I'm not saying Steph's the best or Seth is rather is the best defender in the world, but he's definitely at least competent on that end. So um, given the right other moves, um, I, I think that that role um, will will still be he'll be a great, you know, sort of backup one and two for the Mavericks. And obviously Dante Exum, you know, a fringe sort of reserve guy, but you know, has the potential to elevate given the, the sort of player archetype, but he is 27. So we'll, we'll see how much overseas uh, sort of his, sort of uh, did him his due diligence in that department. But, uh, you know, carrying on with some names to watch um, as, as free agency and, and trade season really evolves over here in the next, uh, you know, not just really 48 hours, like we've been saying, but really the next couple of weeks. Um, these, a lot of these guys are restricted free agents, um, but the Mavericks still do have lots of options on the board. Uh, that not that aren't even necessarily, um, you know, trades. They could really they could technically divvy up their MLE if they are to retain it still uh, between any of these guys or give the full outright MLE it, to any of these guys. It kind of seems like that's the sort of market for them uh, right now. Some of the more notable guys I can see the Mavericks making a play for that they've been uh, rumored to have interest in, of course, are uh, Grant Williams as well as Malik Beasley. Those are the two most notable guys that the Mavericks have had interest in per, per reports. Um, but there also still are a lot of guys in terms of uh, Torrey Craig, Terrence Davis from the Kings, uh, Jalen Noel, Kelly Oubre Jr., Mason Plumlee for the Cl- from the Clippers who they're looking to retain. That could definitely still be in play. Eric Gordon and Lonnie Walker went off the board today. Um, you know, a few other guys, P.J. Washington, uh, if Grant Williams does end up in Charlotte, as, as the sort of rumors are, uh, you know, reporting right now, it almost seems as if, he does seem like he's on the out from uh from Boston. They may not match an offer sheet for the full MLE or even a higher number, but Charlotte and Dallas are reported to be the two most interested teams. Um, you know, Terrence or already said Terrence Davis, uh Paul Reed's another guy I didn't mention. Um, obviously the Mavericks still have an abundance of you know options that they can look at uh, you know, via sign and trade, you know, to add a starting center uh with that Tim Hardaway Jr. contract, whether they want to, you know, to take a pitch at Zubach, uh given that you know the the clippers don't necessarily uh have a sealed route yet with that that mason Plumlee situation uh whether they want to look at another pitch back at aiden or even you know look at other guys they also have you know wings that could potentially become disgruntled that could potentially be on the market pascal siakam is rumored to to maybe uh hit the trade market i mean there's a lot of different stuff coming out right now jaron uh without micro analyzing into uh sort of the specifics or the specific moves right here what are the biggest things the Mavericks need to address over the next couple of days? 
and who is the most promising player out of the guys I listed? Maybe some, if you have any other guys that you'd like to uh, talk about in terms of, um, you know, keeping a name or keeping an eye on, you know, keeping a, a pretty big radar on as we move forward throughout the next few days here. Yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, there's one guy that I'll point out a little bit in a minute uh, from now, but uh, I mean, yeah, I think that uh, keeping your eye on the wing position, probably at most in terms of a, a free agency type signing uh, or a sign and trade move, I would keep an eye on the wing. I think, you know, if the Mavericks are really looking for a starting caliber center, I think that they're going to have to look strictly at the trade uh, sort of plaza that is available for them. You know, I know that they've been linked to uh, Jared Allen of the Cavaliers and some other names, uh, not similar to him, but just some other, you know, sort of average center names. So I would keep my eyes on those two sort of moves. But in terms of uh, unrestricted free agents, I, I just don't really see a whole lot of guys uh, going off the board in terms of Dallas, maybe a Malik Beasley, if they're really wanting to sort of bolster up this creative, um, you know, off the bench sort of scoring, uh, which is something that uh, with Seth Curry, I think becomes kind of redundant uh, at this point. But um, in terms of restricted free agents, you know, Grant Williams, of course, the obvious PJ Washington, his name's been thrown around um, a guy that I'm kind of intrigued in who would definitely bolster up some defense and especially on the wing, uh, uh, Matisse Thibel, he led the league in steals oh, by over really. like 22, I believe it was. Um, I'm not opposed to that move because, again, I think that's probably a buy low, uh, sell high kind of moves. So, I, I, you know, those are probably the moves that I'd look at most to. Um, and like I said, you know, if the Mavericks are really wanting to go after a wing, I think it's probably going to be uh, in the next few days via sign in trade or via a uh, signing just in general. And, you know, again, like I said, if they are looking for a center, um, to me, all points or all signs kind of point towards going towards that trade market. But I like Matisse Thibel. Um, I like kind of all the names that have been linked to the Mavericks. I just think Malik Beasley, um, especially after that Seth Curry signing, I think is going to be kind of redundant to, at this point. And I, yeah. I would be very surprised uh, if the Mavericks made a play for him. No, me too. But they are still rumored to have interest in him. So uh, the two guys that they have supposedly deposited the most sort of interest in here are, are um, Malik Beasley and Grant Williams, you know, per reports, um, just in terms of the rumors that are circulating around the internet. Um, but all, all of these guys, even like Ubre. Um, are, are very intriguing and seeing how the Mavericks operate with this uh, flexibility is going to be captivating. And I mean, we love Grant Williams as that, that three and D sort of big that can switch over and, you know, uh, guard up a little bit. Uh, you know, he has a lot of potential to, you know, solve not just the, the wing depth issues, but you know, he, he can play a little bit small ball five if need be, um, you know, very versatile can, can knock down a great, you know, a three he's, he's definitely, sort of poised to seem like one, you know, one of the bigger Mavericks targets. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different options on the horizon, hence why we're not even getting into specifics of fit and everything uh, too much here, but a lot to keep on the radar, a lot to keep on the agenda over the next few days as we see exactly what the Mavericks are going to do, but I'm proceeding with a sort of cautious optimism, but you know, it, we're still going to continue doing podcasts. We'll probably get a little bit more in depth into some specific targets and stuff over the next couple of days. If the Mavericks are still kind of at a stalemate here, but I uh, just wanted to at least cover the guys that, you know, what they've done and, and and have a sort of at least outline for what they could be looking at going forward. If they are able to shed a little bit of money, get under that first apron, have access to the full MLE, still be able to do a trade or two um, or a cost cutting trade to, you know, get under the uh, first apron. I mean, they, they, they could be looking at like three more moves here before free agency is over. But I mean, they also could maybe even only be looking at one or none if they, completely play, played their cards wrong and um you know everybody that they wanted went off the table so uh we'll have to see how much nico suave comes in for us jaron but it, it's been an interesting sort of start to free agency the, for the mavericks a quiet one um but not all hope has left the bag we can see the pessimism by the fans i, I understand it i'm there with you but just try to keep level-headed until you know we have a foregone conclusion that this thing is done is what would i i would encourage to everybody else um because you know it, it's it's, it is not too fair to, you know, apply the, the criticism um, before we have definitive answers, but to apply the skepticism, I completely understand given the track record of this front office, but listen, we will catch you guys in the next one. It's been a fun one. Make sure to follow us at Twitter at mainstream 214. Make sure to get us at YouTube um, mainstream mass podcast on YouTube, on YouTube, uh, make sure to like, and subscribe, uh, you know, like the video, subscribe to our channel, but of course, comment down below. Who do you think the Mavericks are going to get next? What is their primary target at the moment, whether it be, you know, via free agency with that that uh, mid-level exception or via trade? Who do you think is the next Dallas Maverick on the horizon if they're still to make a move? If you guys are listening on podcasts or 
or Apple Podcasts rather, or Spotify. Uh, make sure to uh, give us a five star rating and follow us. We would really appreciate it. We, you know, accept all feedback. You know, whether it be constructive uh, criticism or deconstructive <laughs> criticism, uh, we would really appreciate you guys getting at us and uh, letting us know what you do like about the pod. Um, but otherwise, it's been a fun one, Jaron. We can only keep praying. That's the mantra I'm carrying on with free agency. I said the other day on the solo podcast. We can only keep praying. Here. You can only keep praying. Mainstream Mavs. The time is now. It has to be. The time is now. The championship window is sacrificed. Um, we will catch Let's you guys hope. in the next one. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye. <laughs>